God's people should. Right? How long, how high, and how deep His love is. Steve, would you like to fill us in on what the hymn "When Morning Gilds the Skies" back room is? When Morning Gilds the Skies was written in Germany in 1828. It was translated into English by Edward Coswell in 1854 and set to music by Joseph Barnby in 1868. The scriptural reference for this hymn is Psalms 5, verse 3, which says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. The morning, in the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Let's rise and sing when morning gives the sigh. the skies, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised, alike at work and prayer, to Jesus I repair, may Jesus Christ be praised, the night becomes as day, when from my heart we say, may Jesus Christ be praised, upwards and darkness fear, when this speech can be here, may Jesus Christ be praised, be this while I Scott. Good morning. This morning's prayer confession is written in the bidding style. I'll read the line and I'll pause and give you time to search your heart as to how it applies to you. God, we come before you in confession. We confess our lack of enthusiasm for spiritual matters. For our unconcern for those we know who don't know Christ. For the apathy we have towards families that are being broken. For the helpless feelings we have towards and about the world. Sovereign God, help us to trust you more and through the power of Christ, make a difference. Amen. Our assurance of pardon this morning comes from 1 Peter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Guidelines for living this morning is from 1 Peter 1, verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God, who chose you, is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Thank you, Scott. Let's continue our worship and let's stand as we sing together our praise choruses this morning. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I found. 
desert place. Oh, I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour down, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Holy Spirit. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. When the world's all that it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. You give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn out to praise. When the darkness closes round, still I will say, blessed be the name. The Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your holy name. We rejoice, we rejoice in the name of the Lord. We rejoice in His love today. By His love we can conquer and do anything. We rejoice in His love today. Boundless love, boundless love. He has conquered all death and the grave. Boundless love. By His love, our souls are saved. We rejoice, we rejoice in the name of the Lord. We rejoice in His love today. By His love, we can conquer and do anything. We rejoice in His love today. Boundless love, boundless love. He has conquered all death and the grave. Boundless love, boundless love. By His love, our souls are saved. By His love, our souls are Sing for joy to God our strength. Sing for joy to God our strength. Our strength. If we call to Him, He will answer us. If we run to Him, He will run to us. If we lift our hands, He will lift us up. Come now, praise His name, all you saints of God. Sing for joy to God our strength. Sing for joy to God our strength, our strength. Draw near to Him, He is here with us. Give him your love, he's in love with us. He will heal our hearts, he will cleanse our hands. If we rend our hearts, he will heal our land. Sing for joy to God our strength. Sing for joy to God our strength. 
collect our offering. The scriptural reference for tis so sweet to trust in Jesus is Ephesians 1.12, in order that we who were first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Verse 13 goes on to say, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It was written by Louisa Sneed, whose life was a testament to trusting in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just give you praise and thanksgiving of your promise that as we trust in you, you will provide. As Louisa knew that when her husband died trying to save a young man drowning and she was left with her daughter and her, that she trusted in you and you provided for all her needs. We just pray, Father God, now we bring these gifts to you. May they be used for your glory and for your honor. And Father God, may the spread of the gospel throughout this city in Jesus' name. Amen. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise. Just to know that saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust Him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the presence right now. And we're so grateful for your kindness and care. And Lord, we thank you too for being the sovereign Lord of the universe who's in control and doesn't get rattled by what goes on in our world, doesn't afraid. But you know and you move all things for the purpose of your glory. And today, Heavenly Father, we come to you about uh, our nation who we love dearly. We're so privileged, Lord, to be in a nation that was started by men and women who sought you and your word to frame out the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. That came, Lord, to know that your law is strong and firm. And I pray for our leaders today that they understand that. They truly grasp how what a precious gift this nation is and what a wonderful thing that we have here. And that, Lord, that they will really listen to the early fathers who laid down laws and rules so that we could freely cohabitate with one another and that all could have liberty. We pray, Father God, too, we give you praise and thanksgiving for the young men and women who put their lives on the line to keep us free all over the world. 
We pray also for those who protect us here in this community. We pray for the law enforcement. We pray for fire department. We pray for those EMS workers, uh, dispatchers. And Lord, I pray especially for a gal that's retiring from dispatch, Deidre, that you'll be with her, Lord, as she ventures into new things. But the hearts that they have to help serve this community and keep it safe. I pray, Heavenly Father, too, for those that in our midst that would love to be here but can't because of their bodies and their illnesses. I think of Bill Bannister and Lucille Townsley and Joyce Raglan and and Karen um, Perkins. I pray for them, Lord, as they struggle with the health issues, Lord, that you just watch over them and keep them safe. We pray also, too, Lord, for a family I dealt with yesterday by the name of the Miller family. I pray that you'll be with his children who are grieving the tragic loss yesterday of him. I pray also, too, Father, for our brother Howard, who usually directs us, but had back surgery this week. And I just pray for his healing. I pray that you'll give him strength and endurance as he uh, does what he needs to do and to rehab and get back with us. We pray for Joyce's back, Lord, for healing for it. We pray also for Everett Long, who, um, Lord, right now is dealing with some cancer. And for Angie Ogile and Samantha Mumma, Jason Stevens and Jordan Rickles, for all of them that are battling cancer, we pray that you'll be with them. Pray also for Leanne as she continues to recover from her knee surgery. I pray for Christine, you know her situation. I pray also for Nick, who was supposed to have a surgery on the 28th, but had it postponed. I just pray that they can redo that and that, that everything will go well with that surgery. I pray also for Mr. Mack, who's also battling cancer, one of our teachers here at the school. And also, I pray also for Janet's daughter and son-in-law. Just be with them, Lord, in their pursuits of life. We pray, Father God, too, for brothers that, and sisters that we have that are in the grips of addiction. I want to pray for Jordan and Ryan and David and Eric and Ricky and Mitch and Russell. These battle every day, Lord, and I just pray they will look to you and look to you for the strength and sobriety and get back on track and do what is right in your sight with their lives. And now, Father, as we come to you, to your word, we know that we, our ears sometimes get plugged when it comes to hearing from you. I ask that your Holy Spirit will unplug us and help us to hear what you have to say to us, Lord, very clearly in a very strong passage, Lord, that we thank you, God, for making it one of our commandments even. And uh, Lord, I pray now as we open up your word, speak to us, for we need to hear from you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. On a summer evening in Broken Bow, Nebraska, a trucker had come in to a diner to have supper. He got his order of fries and his burger, and as he was sitting there, there were three men, tough gang members, came off their motorcycles and wandered into the shop. They taunted the trucker and made fun of him. They took his hamburger and pushed it off the plate. One of them grabbed some of his fries and started eating it, and the other one started drinking his coffee, trying to taunt him into a fight. He got up, moved to the cash register and asked for the cashier to cash him out. And so the waitress did. And he paid her, and then he walked out. The waitress watched, and as she was watching, one of the fellows said to her, why, he's not much of a man, is he? She said, I don't know about that, but I don't think he can drive well because he just rode over your three motorcycles. (laughs) Now, some of us like that because it creates a little payback for those fellows who were nasty. 
But today, as we look at the passage today, Jesus speaks to us about retaliation and about our role as Christians, as his disciples. If you remember, Jesus was dealing with the disciples in this the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had been baptized and declared the Son of God. He went and faced temptation. And then he pulled his disciples, began to pick his disciples, and then he sat on this mountain, which many call, Augustine called it the Sermon on the Mount. But really the teaching that he gives is his teaching that he gives to his disciples. What is to be a true follower of Jesus? And when we began, if you remember, Jesus started in the Sermon on the Mount in the third person, that blessed are you when you feel poverty. And he was talking about the poverty of our souls and how our spirits need Christ because we are so sinful. And that we're blessed when we're mourning over our sin. Blessed are those who mourn. And then he shared with us, as you follow these things, blessed are you because you're going to be persecuted for my sake. Then he went into the second person and he said, you. And two things he says about us, that we are the salt of the earth. We as Christians, as disciples, are to be purifiers in this dark and lost world. We're the ones who cleanse and and, and bring purity to the world and not be part of the sinful nature of it. And Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand that to be a positive contribution to society and to change it. And that he also says, you're the light. We're to be the ones who expose sin and we show people they're wrong. And we show them the way to Christ where the light shines. And so Jesus calls us to be the salt and the light. That's our mission. And then he takes us to the first person where he declares himself not only to be God because he says, but I say to you, you have heard it said. And a lot of times he will quote several times the commandments. But then he said, but you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he's not taking away from what God had given Moses but he's getting them to understand more clearly what God really meant by that. And so we've gone through some of those already. If you remember, he said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit a murder, but I say to you. And he takes it to another level. He says, not only the physical part, because the Pharisees were doing that real fine. But he talks to them now and says, but this is really what God meant. And that is murder doesn't have to be physical. But if you call somebody an idiot, Raka, that's committing murder. You're assassinating somebody. He goes on to say in that, you heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you again, this is what my heart was as God, that you not only not do the act, but that in your heart, in your mind, you clearly stay away from the things of lust. And in your mind, doing all kinds of things there. Then he goes on to talk about marriage. First he says, you have heard it said, <clears throat> thou shalt not. And then he talks about how, um, talks about divorce. And he said, the commitment is though to, to the marriage. That's God's intention, not to divorce. That was made as a segue by God, but it's not a rule. Even if a person does that, you can build that marriage back. And what he's saying here is that divorce, no, marriage, yes. Because some of them were taking the law and using divorce so they can get the prettier girl down the street and have that as her relationship. And Jesus said, that's phony. And then Jesus talks about anger. He talks about wrath. He talks about how we are not to live. And he brings out, again, what Moses said is an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, justice. And he says, yes, justice. But we can't take it into our own hands. 
An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Yes, we want balanced justice. But in that fifth thing, he says, no retribution on our parts. It's not up to us to do that. That's God's. That's why God gave us government. But rather, you shall love your neighbor. And this is an important one for us today. Because folks, you know as well as I do, we are living in a society that is totally aggressive to Christians. Aggression is at an all-time high of violence in our world. We're in a society that we have hostility, aggression, hatred, retaliation. We're seeing it, especially with the great divide that is coming, and we see the light and the darkness. The other day I was reading about a group of Catholics who were marching and were attacked by a group of people. And some of them were beaten and had to go to the hospital because of their stand on abortion. We're living in a society that glamorizes violence. Children can get games that just glorify killing people. It's tragic. And Jesus comes to us today with a very strong word. It's a tough word. Because it means that we have to love people that we're very uncomfortable loving. And some of them have even ways in which they're going against the very fabric that we have in our hearts for God's righteousness. And we know that it can include anything and all. And it makes us angry. But we still have to stand with Christ's way, which is to love our enemies. Now Jesus comes to us today in this next frame. And Jesus knows what was being taught in his day. Because if you will notice as we look at it, and, and Jesus makes no bones about it, that there are people in this world who are going to revile us. They're going to hate us. They're going to be the opposition to us, and they're going to curse us. I've had it happen to me two times in the last week. And Jesus spoke earlier about the eye for an eye and he says you know you got to turn the other cheek <laughs> and that we have to love these people even though they're so diametrically different than us and are so much against God's will we still have to love them but Jesus said be prepared I know of two pastors in Canada that are in jail today because of their standing up against the government's view of homosexuality. Being put in jail because of hate speech. I know another person here in this country who had his house raided by the FBI because he was against abortion. And they felt that he was doing some terroristic things. And so him and his family were uprooted. While the FBI went through all their stuff. And we know that there are people today who have it their way and want it their way and they don't care. I had an interesting time as I was studying this sermon. I was coming back from... Uh, Tennessee, where I had a conference for the church. And I had been assigned to seat, seat A, which is next to the window. And this couple, two girls, who I later understood that they were uh, gay lovers, um, the one started pounding and wanted my seat by the window. So I nicely gave them that seat, got up and moved to the end in the aisle. But then that wasn't enough. And the gal next to me, who was sitting between us, she started pushing my arm off the armrest and start pushing my leg. And I'm like, hmm, Lord, help me. Give me patience. Let me stand this and be loving. 
I wanted to really say a few things, but I held back because I was preaching on this. It's amazing how sometimes God will put this right in your face. And we know that that wouldn't solve anything anyway. It might have gotten me kicked off the plane. But Jesus knows this. And he wants us not to be retaliatory, even when people hurt us deeply. Because we know payback destroys any kinds of relationships. Whether it be in a marriage, you know, Peter says that. He says, don't pay back insult for insult, but insult for blessing. Boy, that's hard. But he knows because the more we do that, the more bigger a wall can get erected between us. Whether it be a spouse or a kid or a friend. And that bickering can really do some hurtful damage. You know, as we all remember the old phrase that we used to hear, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's not true. That's a lie from hell. Because once you say that thing about your mate or about that child, they stick that in their head and they remember that. And it hurts. And sometimes they pay back. And Jesus here wants us to see how important it is to follow his way. That the government's there for us to let justice reign. And we need to pray for our government, as you all know, because there are some DAs are not following and doing what's right. And, and, and the pervasiveness of sin, of shoplifting, of stealing, all this stuff is going on that they're overwhelmed to even do anything of prosecution. And it's sad where we've gotten to be. And a lot of that collapses because of the loss of the Judeo-Christian heritage that many children don't have today, who've not been told that they can't do certain things. And Jesus surprises us, and, and, and he says to us today, we need to break, though, the cycle of retribution. We don't overcome evil with evil, but we overcome evil with good. I had a couple in my office one time, and they could not stop insulting each other and hurting each other. And I said, as long as you're going to do this, you're never going to make a barrier break in your relationship. And they never made it because they couldn't stop it. They were always blaming the other person. And once a person or a couple realizes that they can change things radically. Now today... Jesus comes to us and says, this is what you heard. You see, this is what the Pharisees were saying to the people. They were quoting part of Leviticus. You have heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. That was God's word. But then they added what they thought was logical. <laughs> you shall hate your enemy. Well, that's not God's way. And here we have in this formula, Jesus trying to break this mold in their heads that they can have vengeance if they want. They can hate their enemy who's different. We see that through the New Testament. The Samaritans, who were half-brothers to the Jews, were hated by the Jews. They intermarried, and so they, when they came back, they didn't want them. They, there was a disgust for each other. We see that when Jesus deal with the Samaritan woman. That's why it was such a surprise that Jesus spoke to her. And Jesus is showing us what this is all about. Who is our neighbor? Well, Jesus talked about that. Remember that in the parable? Here the man was stuck on the road, broken, wounded, beaten. And two Jewish guys, religious guys, walk right by him. Pass him up. And yet a Samaritan who was disgusting to Jews stops. Bandages him up. Puts him on the donkey. Takes him to the hotel. Lays down his credit card and says, Whatever he needs, put it on my tab. That's the neighbor. And Jesus calls us to be that way. He wants us to examine ourselves because you know as well as I do, sometimes there's some things people do or say to me that really push my buttons. 
And he shows us how Jesus acted. Peter talks about it. He saw it firsthand. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. He kept on trusting himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus is spoken, talking here is that love really doesn't seek its own. As it says in 1 Corinthians in that love really asks for the best for everyone. Not just our friends, not just for ourselves, but for everybody. It doesn't seed. And we look at our neighbor. Jesus is talking at it from a universal perspective. Regardless of the person's background or who they are. What kind of lifestyle they're having. We're still required to love, but we don't drop the standard. And this is where the church has made the stake. Because you see, the universal church has dropped standards. We in this church really are, that's why we're leaving our denomination. Because we want to stand with a church that really believes what the scriptures say. And we want to hold to it. And yet we want to love people to see that's the truth. And the truth wins out. Not falling into the world's way. That's not going to win. The truth is the way to win. And that our neighbors need to see that from us. And that we don't discriminate. Oh, we may be put in some uncomfortable situations. I remember one time in, in New Jersey where I took a young man who was coming out of the homosexual lifestyle. And we went to a group of homosexuals that were recovering and had come out of the lifestyle. And I felt uncomfortable, but this was something I knew he needed support as he was leaving that lifestyle to follow a life with Christ. And all these young men were the same situation. And I was grateful that I went because I learned how to love these guys and really how the, the trauma that they're going through, trying to live a life that's pleasing to Christ when their feelings sometimes are opposite. What strength they were showing. And you know as well as I do. And sometimes it's very easy to let ourselves go, become vengeful. And yet if we have a heart for God, then we do it Jesus' way. We love even our enemy. In the Old Testament, it was powerful. David was being pursued by Saul. His jealousy was so great, and God had told him that David was going to take over. His son was not going to become the, the king. And so he was pursuing David. And God had made it for David. While he was hiding in the cave, King Saul comes into the cave. And he's going to relieve himself in a very personal way. And David has a sword right near him and clips off a piece of his robe to show that he identified that he was right next to the king. And after the king left, David showed him. And he says, David, you're a better man than I, because I would have killed you. But because he was the anointed of the Lord, David would not kill him. And David had the opportunity again later on in, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, or 26. Here Saul is in the middle of the camp with 3,000 men guarding him. And David sneaks in with his armor bearer. And he's right there next to the king. He could have chopped his head off just like that. But instead, he takes the pitcher, takes the spear, gets out of town. Stands up on the cliff and says to Saul, hey, look, you missing this stuff? David, you're a better man than I. David didn't kill him. Because David honored the Lord. And he was the Lord's anointed. And Dave's selfless love kept him from killing that man. Later on, he died. Of his own doing. 
And see, Jesus comes to us and speaks to us. And when we're engaging our enemy, who wants to hurt us, wants to kill us, wants people around us to get killed, he says, love them. He gives us three things in which we need to do when we're struggling with these things. When we're struggling with these kinds of people. And Jesus knows what's going to happen to us if we do it his way. Oh, and this is tough. Because when we do it God's way, we're going to change. Radically change. One of the things that happens is it purges us. From our old sinful nature that wants to get back and vindictive. And instead of hating, we love them. That when we do that and hold ourselves, we are exemplifying as a witness of the love of God that has changed our hearts. It's showing it. And then we're showing our enemies the love of God that he has for them. It's powerful. And that they understand what we're doing. They can see it. And that we've broken from our past. And now we're whole. And loving your enemies is God's standard. And it's so important. In this world that doesn't understand it. One of the things that I've discovered, you know, is that there are a lot of people who may not like you just because of the position you hold. And you want to break that cycle if you can. The other day I was in my chaplain's car, and the chaplain's car has a police badge on it. And I came down the ramp on 54 right there by Broadway, and I was parked at the light at Broadway. And there was this young man who was, seemed to be homeless. And he saw the badge on the car. And he spit on my hood. <laughs> this is how people, some people feel towards police or the popo. And it's tragic. Because most of the time they're there to help. Now they don't want to be held accountable. I understand that's why they hate the cops. But for the most part, they're there to help us. And yet there's that anger that they have inside of hatred toward the police. And we as Christians, they're going to be people who don't like us because we believe in Jesus. <laughs> and that we believe in a Savior who saves us and that we need to be saved. And that we need to break that barrier for them. And loving our neighbor is critical. And knowing that everyone is our neighbor, that they are our true neighbor, and that we want the best for them. Sometimes that's hard to get in our minds. And Jesus helps us with that. Because you see, Jesus in this next thing, look what he says. He gives us three things to start on working on this. But I say to you, love your enemies. Boom. That's just a statement that he says to us. We have to love our enemies. It's a command. And pray for those who persecute you. Mm. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on evil and the good. He says, rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. They like people who they work for. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do that. Jesus says a whole lot of stuff here. And Jesus says to us here, number one, we need to love our enemies. Who are enemies? The abortionist at the Planned Parenthood is the person who spits on my car? Is it the person who wants to do me harm and is saying things under behind my back to destroy me? Probably. 
the one that's gossiping about you or wronging you or hating you in their hearts? Jesus says, number one, we're commanded to love them. But here's how we change our hearts. Pray for them. Do we pray those imprecatory prayers as, Lord, please rip their lungs out? No. <laughs> we pray for them. Do you remember how Stephen was when they were throwing rocks at him? His people were enemies of him. Did he say, Lord, wipe them out? When Jesus was on the cross, he could have called a thousand angels and wiped that whole scene out. But he didn't because he loved them. And he loved us who were enemies of him too until we were saved. And so here we hear Jesus praying and Stephen praying, Father, forgive them when they know not what they do. You see, love leads to prayer. Praying for a person's salvation. Because they're living in the darkness. That's why they're reacting to you. They're living in their sinful selfishness. That's why they're hating you. Because you're standing against that. God's way stands against their immorality and their impurity and their selfishness and stealing. And so love pleads for their souls. And that we even face their evil against us, but we continue to pray for them. Then look what Jesus says. He says, we, God the Father provides for them just as he does the righteous people. Here they got the rain. Here they got the sun. And yet God provides for them too. And you see, that's one of the things he says now. We provide even for our enemies. I was reading about Eusebius back in 300. Julian the Great was the emperor at that time. And he was watching in his city of Caesarea... Christians who were even being brutally beaten at times were discriminated terribly. But what they were doing is they were helping people who were dying. They were caring for the needs and bringing food to families of those who hated them. They cared for them. They distributed bread to them. And the emperor could not believe it. He was pagan. And he talked about his pagan priests and he wrote this. When it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, then here the Christians observed the fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy, supporting the poor and those who could not, even though they were enemies. One of the things that my dad shared with me when he was in the military in World War II when he was in World War II, he was a medic. One of the things that first he did was cared for the orphans. Um, they had them in these barracks because these children had no parents anymore. They lost them in the war. But then he was moved to a unit <clears throat> for German soldiers. And they cared for the wounded German soldiers. And the German soldiers could not understand why they were so kind to these soldiers. You see, because they didn't understand the ethic that our country was, which is on the Judeo-Christian to love your neighbor, even to love your enemy. You see, John Calvin speaks about this, and he talks about common grace. That means God gives all men equally common grace so that they can live and have a life. And that we are to practice that same thing, no matter if they're enemy or a friend, we're to provide for them. We see that again and again throughout history. And that's what Jesus says to them. And notice what he says, then greet them. Treat them like friends. Oh, you can greet your brother and you can beat people who like you like. But what about those people that don't like you? Can you still greet them? 
be kind to them, love them. Jesus is referring here to the enemy. And that we show sacrificial love to these folks. And you see, what we're seeing here is Jesus is showing us there's two kinds of things. Number one, that the Father love is in us. We're not like the Gentiles and the tax collectors that only are friends with their friends and hate their enemies. But that we as Christians are showing our Father's DNA in us by loving those who don't even love us. And then he goes on, he's showing us that what we are doing then is that we're showing sacrificial love. We're loving one another. We're showing that to our world. Because the world is very interested in itself. And that because we're praying for our enemies, we're developing a deeper insight into life that we're even showing a genuine interest to others that we don't even like. That we're developing a healthy interest in loving these people who don't care about God. Don't give a rip about God. But we're showing them through our actions. Hudson Taylor, a Chinese missionary, one day was waiting for a boat. And a Chinese fellow came up behind him and knocked him down to get in the boat first. And he was surprised when Hudson Taylor got up and didn't poke him. But instead, Hudson Taylor helped him get into the boat. And the man was overwhelmed, and as he began to talk with Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor shared with him the gospel. And the man left in tears because he never saw love like that before. This is what God wants us to do. That we go after it. And that we love people. I know I've had neighbors. I had a neighbor one time who brought in a fella survey our yards so that I would not cut over onto his yard. And that he was mad when my kids' balls went into his yard, so he set up a six foot fence. And when the kids would wind up, sometimes putting over, he would take them and not give them back. And we needed to love him. You know, what was interesting about that was that God, four years later, had me do his funeral and to love him and his family in the midst of that. And sadly, we as the church need to help people see that we love them. And I really reached out to him many times. And his wife understood. And I got to know him. And I prayed for him. I prayed for his salvation. Because he was an angry man. And you know, to pray for them is so important. I remember... When I was in New Jersey, God has gave me two fellas who hadn't gone to church with their parents in a long time. And I was able to share the gospel with them, and they came to Christ. And then we formed a thing called the God Squad. And we went to bars and to gangs and parks and shared the gospel. And this fella, Phil, had this big old, not old, it was barely new, and it was a big black van, a Dodge, and he had put one of those half boons at the side of it to make it really cool, and then he basically, inside it, he had red shag carpeting <laughs> in it. And um, before his, I'm not going to go there, but anyway, um, so anyway, we start going out, and one night we're in a bar, and I'm sharing the gospel to this guy next to me, and Phil is over here. And the bartender's giving me a hard time, kind of cursing me out. I had asked for a Diet Coke, and he gave me a glass 
with 50 ice cubes and maybe an ounce of Coke in it. And Phil was getting irritated, and, you know, he was new in Christ. And then the bartender said something real derogatory to me. And I recognized Phil is going over the bar after him. And I grab him by his pants and sit him down. I said, we'll deal with this later. Well, after we get done, we leave and we go into his red van. I said, now, this is how we're going to deal with this. Let's pray for Nate. Let's pray something dramatic happens to him that he has to face what he just did and that maybe he'll come to know the Lord. Well, that was Tuesday night. Thursday night, I get a call from Phil. He said, Pastor Dave, this prayer thing really works good. I said, what do you mean? Well, Nate, on Wednesday night, he had a guy, a customer, and he threw him out of his bar and he hit his head on the fire hydrant. Knocked him out. And they closed the bar down and he was charged. He said, this God is good. <laughs> I'm thinking, wait a minute now. I said, yeah, and maybe God will work on his heart. And we prayed then on the phone for that fellow. See, what Jesus does is he's saying to us, pray for those enemies. So that you can have compassion for them. To see them and understand what they do and why they do it. They're sick by sin. And rather than condemn them and hate them, we build a love and compassion for them so that they will desire to come to Christ. And that we stand up for what we believe, yes. We hold the truth. And we, even though they're ruthless at times with us, because that's the opportunity to truly share the gospel. And that's when we love people and we pray for them. Syndicated columnist Sidney Harris was with his friend George and they went to a newsstand that Sidney went to every day and the guy was brutally rude, uncomplimentary. And Sidney's friend George said to him, why do you put up with that? Why don't you tell him what you think? He said, because I don't want him to decide how I'm going to live that day. He is who he is. But I'm not going to get drawn into and sucked into his negativity. Because God's got a purpose for me. And I try to be as positive as I can for that guy. So that he can understand that he's not going to do that to me. You see, that's when we're the salt and the light. It's like the Armenian nurse who was held captive by the Turks. And her and her brother were taken captive and she watched this one man execute her brother. She finally was able to escape one night. Went back to nursing in the hospital. The military hospital. And one night on her floor was a patient who was critically wounded and she recognized him right away it was her brother's killer and immediately she knew what she could do but she didn't instead she worked hard to rehab him and to get him back to health and the soldier recognized her when he came from unconsciousness. And he asked her, why did you let me die or kill me? And she said to him, because I'm a follower of Jesus. And he requires me to love my enemies, not to hate you. See, that's Christ's standard. And Jesus comes and says to us, therefore, you're to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now we know as Christians, none of us could be perfect on this earth. But we also know that because we're saved and we have accepted Jesus in our hearts, that we already declared perfect before God and that we already know we have that because of what Jesus did for us. That we 
positionally already made perfect by Christ. But practically on this earth, we still don't have it. And that's why God brings us these situations into our lives. And the word here means mature. And God wants to develop the maturity of Christ in us as we deal with these situations. And that the curse of sin no longer has a power over us to hate. But that we use it as an opportunity to show God's love. And we as a nation experienced that many years ago. October 2nd, 2006. In Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. A milkman by the name of Charles Carl Roberts put his two little daughters on the bus to go to public school. But Charles was very angry with God because 10 years earlier, him and his wife gave birth to their first child and that baby only lived 20 minutes and died. He never forgave God about that. And October 2nd, after he put his girls on the bus, he headed to that little country school in Lancaster, where there were 10 little Amish girls And he shot all 10 of those girls because he was angry at God and wanted to punish Christians. The police came. And after they worked the scene, in the midst of the grief and the shock of that community, that Amish community did not cast any blame they didn't point fingers. Didn't even hold a press conference with the attorneys. But answered with compassion and forgiveness to Charles and his family. And an Amish grandfather was interviewed outside the scene and he said, we forgive Charles. That same day, Amish neighbors went to Robert's home and brought food and cared for his wife and children and his family to bring comfort in their sorrow. Roberts had committed suicide at that point. Robert's family also invited them to come to their funeral of the girls. And lo and behold, when Roberts was buried, there were more Amish at that funeral than Amish to support the family in their grief of the loss of their son, their husband, and dad. You see, that day... Our world saw through the media the salt and the light about the love of God and forgiveness, even our enemy. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, we know the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives can be great. Help us to follow Jesus' example. Help us to love even those who hate us. To good to those who hurt us. Help us, Jesus, to shine as brightly as lights in the dark world of what true love is. Lord, help us to be the purifiers of the society. 
Help us to be the healers, Jesus. I thank you for your Holy Spirit being here with us this morning. And help us, Lord, as we take your words now into a world that's dark. And help us to stand tall for you, Christ, and your righteousness. And it's in your name I pray this. Amen. Let's stand together as we receive our benediction and sing our closing song. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now until the day he returns. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all ye created below. Praise Him above.